Super Talk Mississippi media production. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome to Coast View from right here on the beautiful Mississippi Gulf Coast from the studio here on the coast. I want to welcome you to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making Coast of Mississippi and Mississippi, for that matter, a great place to live, work, and play. Hey, we've got a really special show today. Let me kind of set it up a little bit. I've had, uh, as you know, a great career in media. And uh, during the latter part of my career, was able to lead some of the more significant digital media efforts for uh, newspaper and really online uh, content companies. And uh, was able to work very closely with Advanced Condé Nast, the largest privately owned media company in the United States. So when I left the Sun-Herald, went over to Alabama for a short period of time and then to New Orleans and was really involved in some really groundbreaking stuff. Of course, throughout that time, I watched the, uh, the evolution of technology in this country. So you've seen you've seen a big switch from where we used to just have telephones to when uh, you know when the internet became part of the name of the game and we've had a lot of discussions about whether whether the uh, the internet should be free or not and um, you know how does America stay competitive really at the end of the day as you think about the advancements in technology we've seen I mean just if you go back and think about the the iPhone uh, Steve Jobs introduced the iPhone in 2007 just think about what has happened since then and what's happened with companies like Google and Amazon and Facebook and Twitter and Netflix and uh, all these incredible content companies you think about what's happened with with broadband and I've repeatedly said that incidentally, that broadband in Mississippi, giving Mississippi access may be one of the most significant economic development things we could do, uh, unleashing the minds uh, and the hearts of Mississippians across the state. What's happening in that domain today is one of the most important things that ever ever happened in our state's history, probably, at least from an economic development point of view. We've got new competitors all over this world. We've been in a global economy for an awful long time. But if you think about where America is in terms of technology innovation, what's happening in China today as it relates to technology innovation, we are in a battle. And um, and I couldn't think of a better person to have a conversation about sort of the evolving situation as it relates to technology, where America stands, where Mississippi stands in that context, than with uh, my old friend Chip Pickering, who used to be uh, he was a U- U.S. representative for the third district, and now he runs an, an association, an association that started back like over 40 years ago now. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about the history of that association and what it's all about, and uh, and we'll talk about more. So anyway, Chip P- Pickering, the CEO of Encompass, welcome to Coast Feed, my friend. Ricky, it's, it's great to be with you. And as we caught up before the show, and just a, a lot of great memories of of your work uh, in the newspaper business, being a very thoughtful community leader and advocate uh, for the coast. And so it's very good to be with you today, and I look forward to our conversation. Yeah, it's good. Hey, listen, I could I would be remiss if I didn't say one important thing. Our old friend, my old boss at Mississippi Power, back uh, as a young guy, I worked there for a short period of time. I had the, the pleasure of working for Bobby Nichols, and uh, he had a profound uh, impact on my life. My father died during the time that I worked for him, and uh, he really encouraged me to – 
I had I had been in pre-med for a while, and then I was trying to decide what I wanted to do. He really encouraged me to to move on with my with my college career. I changed my major, went on to get an MBA, did an internship at the Sun Herald, and the rest is history. But during that time that I was working for Bobby, I had the opportunity to meet your father, Charles Pickering, and uh, former judge and incredibly important leader in this state. Um, I mean, his his the history of your family in this state is very significant. How's your father doing these days? You know, he's, he's doing extremely well. He's 84 years old, and he's recruiting my sons, my five sons and I, to come plant 4,000 trees in Jones County next week. So still very active and still pushing to to um, to get things done. And so he, <laughs> Major, uh, I've, I've, he's always making an impact was always something that kind of came natural to him, isn't it? It is. I, I, I think the tremendous work ethic of his generation and for him and his family and then you know, to go to Ole Miss, go to law school, um, eventually enter into Mississippi politics, a leading pioneer in the Mississippi Republican Party, and then his judicial career. You know, as he for a while, he, he lived part time on the, the Mississippi Gulf Coast and presided in the court uh, down on the coast and then in Hattiesburg. So he has many great friendships and relationships. Bobby Nichols, you mentioned such a, a good, decent, uh, loving uh, man. Just yeah. He's been very good to, to my family. And in fact, my mother and my sisters went up to visit the Nichols not too long ago. Really? Yeah. Really? Had That's great- awesome. Well, yeah. I know that he and his wife listen to Coast View on a regular basis, and they send notes all the time. I'm so proud of you, Ricky, I, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, he just, uh, he really pays close attention. And I, I think it's great that I had the opportunity in this latter part of my life to sort of look back at people like Roland Weeks, the former publisher of the Sun-Herald, and George Slogan, and a growing list of others that yes. have influenced me over the year, including Bobby Nichols, and say thanks to them. And, and, and lead by example, the example that they provided to me and the opportunity I have now to give back using what they have taught me about what it means to be a community leader. And it means the world to me to have this opportunity. I know you feel the same way. You've been, you've been, been. think of the mentors and the people that you've had the, been in contact with throughout your career. It's, uh, it's incredible, really, the influences on you, isn't it? It, you know, it really is. And, you know, between my, my father, um, Haley Barber, who helped run his uh, first statewide campaign for U.S. Senate in 1978, as they helped build the Republican Party in the 70s. I, as you know, I was a staffer for Senator Trent Lott, uh, another son of the of the coast. But just for him to, to rise both in the House leadership, then Senate leadership, and to be on his staff, and to be on his staff during the the 1990s, which I would I would call the most productive legislative period since the New Deal. Yeah, uh, when when two Southerners, Bill Clinton and Trent Lott, had a chance to make deal after deal after deal that reformed our telecommunications, our technology sector, but also our financial, our trade, our agriculture, our welfare. Every New Deal policy was transformed during that uh, decade of the 90s. We served a lot at the uh, at the leadership position in the Senate. Uh, what he did for our national security, for defense, for the coast, for shipbuilding, for NASA, for our space uh, policy, for our research institutions and, and universities. Uh, and to be a part of that team, uh, both as a member of Congress and from his staff, it was just a great time. Senator Cochran and his leadership position. Mississippi had the best team uh, in the nation 
um, politically. Haley Barber was the head of the RNC. We just we were able to get a lot done for the state and to lay out and build up the key institutions and infrastructure uh, from the coast all the way up to North Mississippi. Uh, really transform our economy from a low-wage, low-skill um, uh, manufacturing to high-skill, high-wage, uh, advanced manufacturing sectors, automotive, defense, aerospace. So I, yeah. I'm very thankful that I got to work with great mentors and leaders and to be a part of the Mississippi leadership team during that time. You're right. And boy, did that not uh, – I, I think that's probably the best example of that leadership – sort of bearing out was after Katrina. And, you know, I didn't fully appreciate, you know, I was publisher of the Sun-Herald and worked with Haley to form the Governor's Commission on Recovery, Rebuilding, and Renewal. Was honored to have the opportunity to write the foreword to his book. But it wasn't until... You know, working with Jerry Nash and, and getting to read some of the some of the chapters as it was unfolding, that I understood what really was happening with Haley. He he would spend yeah. time on the coast, but then he would go to Washington, and he was yeah. spending all that time in Washington working with across the aisle to to, uh, to create a bipartisan support of Mississippi. And you, of course, Thad Cochran was in a perfect position. I mean, I had a terrific relationship with him. What what a statesman he was. And uh, and then locally, I mean, you think about inside the state where, you know, Democrats like uh, like uh, Billy McCoy at the time, uh, the, um, the Speaker of the House, and what he did to just focus on helping bring, you know, game was not for gaming, but he supported and helped kind of move along this whole notion of creating inland gaming so that we could recover. But man, you know, I miss those days. And I, I was I was talking just the other day about changes in the flood insurance program in the United States and the impact it's going to have in coastal communities, especially coastal communities like like coastal Mississippi. And within the within the political framework that exists today, and we're gonna we're, we'll get to specific issue that you're concerned about these days about making sure Mississippi I mean, excuse me, America stays competitive from a technology point of view. But you think about trying to get attention to something like flood insurance with all the noise in Washington these days. It's a different place than it was back in those days. And just a relatively short period of time it turned a corner to this incredible polarized place that has to make you kind of crazy doesn't it you know it it grieves me to be honest uh, having lived through the 90s and the early 2000s when we had such a great bipartisan period of legislative productivity let's do this chip this, this, this is actually a good segue when we come back on the other side We'll talk about the evolution from what it was, you know, the ability to actually come together on some issues to this sort of divided world we live, live in today and how difficult that can be to get issues through the, through the process. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Chip Pickering. See you after this break. Subscribe for free to the Coast View Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I have uh, an old friend, Chip Pickering, who's former congressman and now runs an incredibly important association that represents a large number of not just content providers, but particular technology companies these days. And we're going to evolve into a discussion about some legislation that is being considered today and why it's important for us not to take the eye off the ball to what we need to do. Uh, just in general, to make sure that America stays competitive. And we'll come back to that in just a second. But when we went to break, we were reflecting for a second. And I, it, and I remember during the break that I, one of the things that I, I saw today was was a, a YouTube video of a C-SPAN segment. And it was, uh, I think it was like 14 years ago. You were in Congress, and and even then, by the way, you had the FCC and you were talking to them. You were talking about broadband then. You know, I mean, I don't even know that back in those days we really appreciated what that meant, but you were. You were you, what was interesting, Chip, about this is that you had a very significant question around process and outcomes and strategic focus and whether the, the whether the various commissioners of the FCC were really driving toward the same goal. I was very impressed with the question. But what I noticed most about the environment was there was um, there was camaraderie. <laughs> you there was respect for one another and too often that's missing today. And you were saying before we went to the break that you uh, that you miss it and that you you might even shed a tear over it because it's it's tough to to look at the situation today compared to what it used to be. And you, you uh, as you know I'm a Republican but I would probably define myself first as an institutionalist and the institutions of, of our Congress, the executive branch, you know, my father was in the judicial branch and I want um, those institutions to be credible, to be trusted, to function and to get things done that, that need to be done, uh, not to be uh, failed institutions where a great majority of Americans have lost confidence and lost trust in those institutions. And for the last decade to two decades, we've had a decline in those institutions functioning at capacity. This has happened at other times in American history. The question is, how do we, how do, how do we restore uh, the trust, the confidence of the American people and those key governing institutions and, and make it work for you know, communities across the coast? across Mississippi, across the country, so that rural America and urban America both feel like they're being represented, they're being heard, that whether it is infrastructure, uh, critical new infrastructure like broadband, whether it is an economy that is thriving and prosperous, a healthcare that system that works, an educational system that competes uh, globally and prepares all of our, our children in a way that they can compete in STEM-related uh, areas, which the future will 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 dictate, and and we really we have a great foundation from which to work. We we may have lost our way as we have in other periods of American history, but I'm hopeful that we can see a restoration of of good leadership, good functioning institutions in in Congress and with the, the executive branch. But it is tough. Uh, super PACs. Uh, the, the, the loss of a functioning appropriations process, um, social, you know, and I, I represent a lot of the social media companies, but social media creates a, a challenge uh, uh, in, the, in the political world of, of being able to bring people together in a way that is healthy. 
So lots of challenges, but we faced them before and we can overcome them. Well, you, you know, this, I, I mentioned that Encompass has been around for like, I think more than 40 years. It was started. Yeah, we, 19... we just celebrated our 40th anniversary this year. There you go. Started, there you go. We started so, in 1981. Yeah. So the math is right. And you started you know, back in the day of uh, old time, uh, old time telephones and what needed to happen to make it more competitive. And then look yeah. where you are today. What, what a transformation. We were... We were the founding voice of for, for competition and telecommunications in the old telephone industry. So as Ma Bell was being broken up, we were advocating for the Department of Justice and and um, and in Congress and across the country to let competition come to the first the long distance market. And many of your listeners may not or our viewers may not even remember there used to be such a thing called long distance. Uh, we're we're old enough that we do. I teach a class at Ole Miss. Uh, they were all born around 2000 to 2003, and I tried to explain to them what long distance was, and and they just I could see this blank stare that you know they 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 weren't sure what that meant. But we were the first advocate for competition, and because it was so successful, and we went from copper networks and analog networks and no competition and high prices and poor service to a very vibrant long distance industry. And one of the leaders was uh, of the industry was, was headquartered in Mississippi WorldCom. And they rose to become the largest internet backbone company in the world. Uh, they were second in the long distance industry, really helped reshape, you know, shape that, uh, that era. And they went from copper networks to fiber and digital and it was the first step of the digital revolution, the, the digital age, and, and all that is brought. And because it was so successful, we then had the Cable Act of 1992, which brought competition to cable and to satellite. And those networks transformed from analog to digital. And then we had the cable modem. And then you had both the last mile and the long distance uh, networks that gave us the, the new digital infrastructure we needed for the the internet and information age and when i was working for several lot we did the 1996 telecommunications act which brought competition across all communication sectors and industries and part of that also laid the foundation for the internet um, that gave uh, the internet platforms the ability to have protection from from lawsuits and and liability so that they could post people's thoughts and views and websites and business and religious and political expression and content. And the inter the commercial internet was born out of that act. And um, I, I, I tell people, I, I kind of feel like Forrest Gump. I've, I've run past every major uh, historical, historically significant uh, tech, telecom, internet uh, policy occurrence. I was a freshman member of Congress in 1997. I, th I thought I was exiled to the Science Committee because I wanted to be on the Commerce Committee uh, and, and to do the work that I've been doing as a staffer. Um, Fate had it. I, I, I was the vice chairman of, of, the, of the Basic Research Committee, which had the jurisdiction over the internet. And uh, the congressman who was the chair unfortunately passed away with cancer. And I became the chairman of that subcommittee and it was the time that we were establishing all the domain names and registries. So the .org, the .edu, the, the .com, and the, the multi-stakeholder governance of how a commercial internet 
would work. And the negotiations with the, then the Clinton administration and the White House on how do we, we go from a government-run research network with our universities and the Department of Defense to a commercial internet. And I, I had no way of even imagining what, what, what would happen uh, as a result of, of being a part of that policy process and those negotiations and, and the United States Act. And so, and, and Mississippi uh, has played a really critical role. I, I mentioned WorldCom. Comcast was started in Tupelo, Mississippi, and then in Laurel, Mississippi. My dad was their first uh, attorney. Skytel, I don't know if y'all remember Skytel, the first two-way pager system, um, which happens to be what is now texting. So the birth of texting came uh, in Mississippi. So we, we really have a rich history in shaping the modern telecommunication technology and internet. Jim Barksdale uh, was the CEO of Netscape, the first commercial browser, internet browser. So Mississippi has played an outsized role in the development of the digital age, the information age, and the policies that founded and framed it. It's very significant. And you've I, I get the Forrest Gump thing that you were there just about every step of the way. You know, it's interesting now that you find yourself as the CEO of Encompass, an association representing so many important companies. But uh, but you know, it we, we are where we are. We are where we are in that that it that it's you know, the system is the system we had to work with. And you you just got to stay focused, and you got to make sure people are educated, and we got to make sure that legislation doesn't result that ultimately affects Miss uh, excuse me the, the the United States ability to to maintain its technological edge, and there are threats on the horizon as it relates to that, isn't aren't there? Uh, there are, and as as China has a major, major initiative called uh, the Belt and, and Road Initiative, where they're, they're really focusing all of their, their government resources and funding and, and all of the, the capital investment that they can around critical sectors that they think will give them a technological edge and advantage over the U.S., both in the military realm as well as the commercial. I see that we need to get a break. Yeah, so what we'll do, I think China is a great place to start. And um, we may, if we're not careful, we may put some encumbrances on America's ability to be technologically competitive while China goes and does their thing without any kind of encumbrances on them at all. And this is very significant when you start to look at the rankings of the companies that are emerging from China compared to America. It's a serious deal, and we really need to focus on it. When we come back, we'll talk about what that evolution and what, what Congress is thinking about these days. We'll see you after this break. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews, brought to you by AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome back to Coast View. We have Chip Pickering with us, and we're talking about 
uh, we're actually moving to the part of the conversation where we're, there's some concern about Congress and action that could be taken that could affect America's competitiveness. And you mentioned China as we were going to the break, and, and we won't get into big, long discussions about what's happening with Taiwan and other movements that are happening militarily for, for China, what's happening technologically, what's happening just in general the supply chain and issues we face there and raw materials that are necessary for technology. Man, we could, we could spend the next several hours talking about the dependency that exists and the competitiveness that exists and the threat that exists as it relates to China. We could oversimplify by just talking about China, though, because there are, we're not a, China is not standing alone in its competitive sort of nature relative to America. Every country in, in the world is trying to compete technologically, and we never know where that next po- pocket of excellence might be. So, you know, it's a global technological environment, a global technological competitive situation that we face today. And any moves by Congress in Washington to affect our abilities to compete on a worldwide stage is an incredibly important conversation. And this is where Chip spends an enormous amount of his time these days. Tell me why that is important. Well, let me, let me start off in two things. Um, one thing Congress is doing right is that it just passed a bipartisan infrastructure bill, which contains $65 billion to build out broadband networks to every American and every place and every community, whether rural or urban. And so it's a, it's a historic level of investment that's coming at a critical strategic time for, for America, coming out of a pandemic, learning all the lessons out of COVID, of how important connectivity is, whether it is for school, for healthcare, for small businesses to large, that connectivity and the capacity to be able to, to, to do what we're doing right now virtually. And businesses are doing this and schools are doing this and hospitals are doing this. And so very rapidly, our network capacity, speed, all of those things are critical to America's, not only competitiveness, its economy, but fundamentally to our national security. 20 years ago, we did not know that China, whether it would go as a more open economy and then what we hoped would be a more open political system and a more democratic political system. We now know that they will be hostile to democratic norms. We've seen what they've done in Hong Kong. We know what they're doing in human rights and human freedom. They are looking strategically, not only to compete with us economically, but to, to have the, the largest military um, carrier uh, fleet capacity dominance in the, in the Pacific. We now know for sure that China will, will be hostile to our interest and hostile to our value system. And they're, they're pouring enormous resources and building the networks that then allow the advanced applications that will drive and determine the future. And by advanced applications, what do I mean? So artificial intelligence, quantum computing, autonomous vehicles, precision agriculture, advanced robotic manufacturing, telemedicine, every sector will be driven by the network enabling these advanced applications. And whoever wins the race to the best network, the best 5G network, the best fiber networks, the best digital infrastructure, will then win the race to the best applications. And so we're, we're doing something significant 
in the infrastructure bill and funding this this deployment of all the new networks, much like we did in the Great Depression to, to bring electricity to every home and to every business. So this is historic, it's transformational, it's significant, it's strategic. That's a good step. But on the other hand, we have these initiatives in Congress that are trying to limit um, the ability of our leading tech companies. And I represent you know, the companies like Microsoft and Google and Facebook and Amazon and, and, and others that are building the, the digital infrastructure, the data centers who are really investing enormous amounts in the artificial intelligence and quantum computing that then allows us to to build out advanced distribution systems like we have in Madison, Mississippi with Amazon. It has, it's one of the, the leading robotic distribution centers while at the same time employing over a thousand people in high tech, high paying uh, jobs. Much like Nissan came and, and transformed our economy on the auto, automotive side, Amazon and, and, uh, is, is transforming how we will do distribution in the future. And then you combine that with Mississippi's uh, leadership in drawn and U UAV, uh, air-based UAV, uh, and, and from FedEx in, in North Mississippi and Memphis to uh, the Duff Brothers in Columbia, Mississippi with, with KLM, we could have the most advanced trucking distribution and autonomous vehicle system right in the center of the South, which can get into all of the, the the fastest growing markets so not only is this a strategic time for americans interests it's a very critical time for mississippi uh, we have supercomputing, high performance computing capability on the coast at nasa at stennis at southern miss at at old miss and state and at jackson state and at the corps of engineers in vicksburg if uh, most people don't know this mississippi has more fiber than any state in the region, which is the advanced network. If we connect to our computational centers and our research centers, we can lead the region in 5G deployment on the wireless side, on fiber deployments, on computational capability. We can make our aerospace, automotive, and distribution and transportation systems the most advanced in the region. Mm -hmm. If we have the right leadership and the right vision to execute it, and so Mississippi will see probably $500 million coming into our state to build out the broadband networks. And not only does it do those critical sectors that I just outlined, but what does that do for a small business person in Pash Christian, Mississippi, or in Pascagoula, or in, in Biloxi? Um, in my hometown, uh, a show has really transformed and given new life to Laurel, Mississippi, called My Hometown. It was discovered on Facebook. And so you just never know whether it's through social media or through running a small business, uh, using cloud computing uh, capabilities to really have greater efficiency, productivity, lower costs and better services. And you can do it from anywhere in Mississippi. And so those are, you know, those are the things that I think are, are leadership of the state. If they can focus on getting that right, similar to how we rebuilt and recovered from Katrina, that it would have a foundational future impact that, that can give generational change for good. Mm. And so Chip, so Chip as you watch what, what Congress is contemplating today relative to 
tinkering with monopoly laws in this in this country. Uh, how how clear and present a danger is that? It's it's very so our our leading tech companies, which are we should look at them. We were the the birthplace of the internet. Our companies that just started a little over twenty years ago. So Google started in nineteen ninety eight. If you if you think uh, about that. Uh, the other Facebook started in the early 2000s. They're very young. They're two decades old, but they have they have led the world in all of the the advanced applications. And we've won the last decade because of their leadership. As we go into this next critical decade, with these new advanced applications that I, I discussed earlier, will American policy keep them free and unencumbered to compete against China. China now has four of the top 10 tech companies. If they become the dominant supplier for 5G networks in Europe and in Africa and Asia, we will be at a, not only at a disadvantage commercially, but we'll be at risk from cybersecurity and critical attacks on our national security capabilities. So we have to win the race to both networks and applications. And if our companies are fighting Washington and fighting antitrust legislation, when China is building and growing and expanding and dominating, then we have we have harmed ourselves at a at a at the exact wrong moment in history. It's not it's not it's not a good situation potentially. To what extent do you think they will succeed in tinkering with the antitrust legislation? Yeah, they just passed a number of bills out of the Senate and the House committees. Uh, it is unclear whether they can get it passed in the remaining time left this year before the midterm elections. Midterm elections hopefully will come and stop these efforts to harm uh, our leading tech companies and put us at a strategic disadvantage in relation to China and China's tech technology companies and technology investments and networks. So we are we are we are in within six months of either going down a very bad path or stopping that and resetting hopefully and reimagining a, a better way for us to compete globally and to, to maintain our strategic technology leadership as a nation. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Chip Pickering about how to maintain America's technological edge without without some kind of, you know, hopefully there won't be some kind of intervention from Congress. We'll continue the conversation on the other side. You can also listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I have a, I have a former congressman, Chip Pickering, with me today. He's the CEO of an association that represents significant technology and content interest uh, in the United States. They do business worldwide. Obviously, um, we, we've had a lot of conversations around potential antitrust action by Congress, which could be incredibly debilitating for the technology industry that's trying to compete globally 
And we're at a, I mean, you know, as you pointed out before we went to break, we're at, we're still infants in this, in this thing going forward. When you think about where robotics is headed and artificial intelligence is headed and data and what we can do with data and computing technology and how fast it's advancing. I mean, we're just really, I mean, as much as it feels like we've, we're living in this highly advanced place that's been, that's really helped us in this, uh, in this sort of uh, remote working and remote medical and remote, all this the learning world that we're in because of the pandemic, we're still early in the process and, and technology development is happening at lightning pace all around the world. And anything that could stop that or slow that down would be incredibly detrimental, not just not just economically, but could be, you know, just from a defense point of view, just in terms of protecting America, it could be significant, couldn't it? It, it really could. And so what I'm hoping is that, um, and, and you are, and I were talking on the break, a lot of the conversations around bias and censorship and privacy and cybersecurity um, the the different ways that algorithms may work in someone's feed or in providing uh, information of interest uh, to someone, that is a, a conversation that needs to be had and solutions and new standards need to be formed around the internet community and companies. So that's one set of issues that we need to address. Antitrust and competition issues, especially at this point with our rivalry and emerging competition with China and for the whoever leads both in national security and in value systems and in political systems and who shapes the future, not only for the U.S., but for the rest of the world. That is where I'm very concerned that we could be going down a wrong path and we need to be very careful not to do so and to, and to make sure that we get competition issues right. I, I happen to believe that we have wonderful antitrust laws. We have something called the consumer welfare standard and that if your prices are going down and investment is going up and innovation is going up, all of which are readily apparent and the evidence is clear that, that technology companies are doing all of those things in almost every sector well, I would say almost in every sector of the economy. That is clear. These other issues that are creating the cultural and political divisions and, and just the, the individual security questions, those need to be addressed. They need to be solved. Yeah. Well, I thought the way you said that was really good, that, you know, th there's this one set of issues here that probably frustrate a lot of the legislators. And then you have another set of issues over here that have to do with maintaining, uh, not doing something that, that gets in the way of us being able to maintain our global competitiveness yeah. that, that you, you and I chatted about this during the break, but um, I came from a digital media world. You've been in, in the, on the policy and legislation side of the of the internet, and so much as it relates to technology and telecommunications, your entire career. And so you and I are able to have a conversation about it. And I'm cognizant of the reality that a lot of what you and I are talking about, the average person may not fully appreciate. But but for, on the same token, that same thing is true in Washington. They there's it's complicated. 
this thing, this technology is changing so rapidly. If you're not living in the world like you and I did, yeah. it's hard for the average person to understand it. And so a staffer or someone who, a congressman or a senator might just simply say, I'm so frustrated by all this. We need to do something. Yeah. And they end up acting on the wrong thing. And that would be devastating to America if we if we enable that to happen. And I hope that you're able to cut through the noise and get well, the proper educating done. You know, and, and one message that I have, we have a tendency uh, as, as a people, when there is a crisis or conflict to overreact. And we can now look probably and say at 9-11, we overreacted in ways that led to two decades of war that entangled us and t took us away from what we really needed to be focusing on while China emerged as a leader. Mm -hmm. I think most people would say that our COVID reaction, we may have overreacted in many ways and, and maybe did more harm than good in our overreaction. The tech issues give us that same potential framework that all of the anger on the, the bias or censorship uh, issues could lead us to an overreaction that we're going to punish these companies in a way that, that harms our national interest and our national security and our leadership and the consumer welfare of every American in the country. Yeah, and so we, we, we need to be wise and do one thing right and not to do one thing wrong. That's well said. Hey, listen, thanks for visiting with us today. We're, what we'll do is um, we'll schedule you next month or so to come back. And I just want to talk about Mississippi and the opportunities would, we I have. Would, I would love yeah. to do that. I, I the, teach a class at Ole Miss. I, I'm part of a foundation in Jackson uh, called the mm -hmm. Great City Foundation. How do we uh, make a great capital city? Because to be a great state, you have to have a great city. Yeah. Uh, the the notion of the, of the potential for a silicone delta. You know, and what uh, that might mean, and the emergence of new of, of the new economy and all that. I look forward to having a chat with you about that. We have all the elements to lead. We do, we do. Yes. Anyway, this has been Chip Pick Pickering. You know, a Mississippian that's given his heart and soul to this state and this nation. It's been a pleasure to, to visit with you today, my friend. I've enjoyed it. You bet. Take, take care. Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.